Welcome to the Writer's Jihad. In Islam, jihad means the struggle for peace, the greatest of which is within ourselves. For most writers, we imagine that once we make it, we'll be at peace. But that's not true. The top professionals find peace as elusive as anyone else. The Writer's Jihad is a podcast series of interviews with writers at different points in their careers talking about the struggle for peace in their industry. Every award-winning professional began as an unpublished amateur. We all start at the same place. We all face the same struggles. And we shouldn't hide those struggles behind the mystique of the craft, nor the glamour of success. If we can help each other, we should. So today, I am with Luke! Hello, Luke! Hi. Luke has, has graciously given me some time to record an episode. Uh, it's been a while since we recorded. Uh, Luke, you can introduce yourself. Hi, I am Luke, formerly of the Story Toolkit podcast. Um, you need more information than that, don't you? I am. Uh... <laughs> well, you see, people people who are listening to this probably listen to the Story Toolkit, so they know who you are in that sense as well. But um, they might not realise like how much you how much how involved you are in writing and everything so my secret life my yeah. secret batman life yes so uh i am uh i i i sing and uh play guitar and write uh for a band called call me malcolm hmm. uh we are a, a ska punk or punk ska uh band uh we are signed to uh, an american punk label called wiretap records uh, i didn't I'm know sponsored. that yeah I'm, I'm i'm dropping all the all the fame bombs I, today. I didn't know you sold out <laughs> i very carefully said punk record label because uh, <laughs> i was i was referring uh, to the so american I, part <laughs> um yeah, sorry. So we're signed to an American uh, record label called Wiretap Records. Um, so we, we release our, our our music in America and Canada and uh, Mexico through them, but we still um, we're we're independent in the rest of the world. Right. Um, uh, we or I am sponsored by uh, Black Star Amps, um, who who are a UK amp maker. Uh, we've done three albums and two EPs, but generally, if you talk to our fans, they think we have two albums because really, there's two good ones. The rest is just all the shit that came before <laughs> before we started taking it seriously about four years ago. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, that's that's me in a musical context. Well, I mean, for those listening, four years ago. You might realise now why the story talk it could not keep going, because <laughs> uh, Luke's Luke. I remember when you did um, the the what was it? What was the there was you did an album. I can't remember the name of it. And like less than Jake gave it praise. It was sudden. You had this sudden sort of like, oh, we're actually good at this. This isn't like um, the teenage band that I remember. The several teenage bands I remember you having as you were growing up. This was like, <laughs> oh, this is actually a proper thing now. Um, and, uh, so yeah, when that happened, that was like, okay, you're, you're, this is a, well, a big time scene now. <laughs> I kind of figured like, you know, um, <laughs> you know, Bob McKee says that it takes 10 years to, to, to get any good at writing. Yeah. Well, like since, since we, 
since I was, you know, 15, we've been doing this part time. Uh, sure. And so it, it stands to reason it would take 20 years to get good <laughs> instead of 10. So, um, uh, yeah, so four years ago is, is when, when we started taking this band seriously and really putting thought into the writing process and what we were putting together. Um, and it's, um, you know, through no coincidence, kind of uh, coincided with actually becoming um, relatively successful yeah. uh, I, I, as a band. I, I think it's important because you write the songs for Call Me Malcolm, right? You don't just write the lyrics, you write the melodies, everything, right? Well, uh, yeah, sort of chiefly, it's a bit, it's a bit more collaborative than that. It's I would presume it's collaborative, collaborative in the sense that, you know, when we did theatre, it was collaborative in that, you, you, you know, I would bring a script, but people would add to it. And, you know, you would, uh, you would um, adapt it to what people are wanting and how people are responding to it and how people are performing it, right? But I mean, yeah, you still wrote uh, it, yeah. right? That was certainly how the band started, I think. Um, if I'm being honest, it wasn't until I opened up a little bit more to um, to collaboration mm. uh, that was, well, rather, sorry, the band started with um, myself and Lewis mm. um, writing all the songs together, but ma- mainly the ideas were mine, and he would um, he would work a lot on um, on uh, on the brass melodies and uh, and kind of that side. But um, for, as of about four years ago, when we started taking them more seriously, it it would be a process of uh, it started out as a process of me bringing a completed song minus the brass because i never touched uh, touched that really okay. bringing a completed song um and then people kind of making the parts their own in the way that you just described um, yeah. like much like the, the theatrical process but it quickly we quickly realized that that wasn't going to work because people had kind of more to say through their right. parts and and more they they wanted more of a handle so what we ended up doing um uh again for that album uh which was called i was broken when you got here it, that was it i was called. broken when you got here i knew that was it yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so for uh, when we were doing that it was opened up a bit you know we had this song and we're like well i like this bit and this bit and we started breaking breaking the songs down and kind of rebuilding them right and sometimes they would come back together in the same shape or roughly the same shape and other times particularly towards the end of the writing process they would just be absolutely leveled and we would you know we might keep five percent of it and the rest would be uh this stuff that we've come up with in the room um but you're right in that when we're in the room often i'm coming i I, i'd be driving the ideas like i I would say well how about this how about this and and other people say well maybe not this one and someone might say you know, oh, I think this instead. Um, but that was that album. The most recent one we did, that was probably about the most collaborative thing we've oh, ever done. very nice. Which yeah. we, in, instead of finishing a song before I took it in, hmm. um, to kind of shorten the process, because <laughs> I knew it would get gutted <laughs> anyway, uh, I would just I would just go in with sort of scraps of ideas and we would sure. build and form it together. Well, I mean, because I, I think for... Uh, some people who are, who are, who are listening, um, they might not realize just how much writing you do and how far back um, we are. We know each other creatively because you know I mentioned the theater. Uh, you were part of the same theater group as me, and Jason. Yeah, which, uh, which yes. I, I I started when I was at that theater group when I was thirteen. So you were fifteen, correct? Yeah, something like that. Fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, yeah I'm like two or three years older than you. 
And Jason, who hopefully I might get on this podcast as well, it was um, is or at least was your writing partner for for years. The two of you wrote numerous sketches yeah. for radio. Uh, what was the? I uh, forget the name of the show. News. Oh, I forget what. News Jack. Was News the, Jack. Uh, the BBC Four Extra yeah. Radio Four Extra. Yeah. Um, uh, comedy sketch a satirical uh, sketch show uh, yeah. which was open submission yeah and so yeah we did all the we did all the stuff at the at the um drama group when we were younger yeah and kind of kept things you know wrote well, you and jason uh, wrote on, together on and a lot uh back in those uh, days yeah. and then that kind of writing um team stayed the two of you i mean i recorded the voices for a, a pilot that you wrote for a radio play. I just it just came up on my Facebook memories. It's four years ago now. <laughs> four years. Yeah. So yeah. the two. So the two of you have been writing these things. I don't know when the last time you guys got together was. Uh, the beginning of lockdown. Oh we really? Were, there you go. We, yeah, we've still got. <laughs> we we've still got a um, uh, a feature film that we've been slowly putting together for a while oh, but um, yeah. you mentioned it wasn't wasn't so great over lockdown because of work situations for yeah. both myself and, and him so you know being being busy um, yeah so uh yeah it's kind of pause button but that's just how we've operated for you know 20 yes. 25 years now as writing yeah. partners we we hit it hard and then you know thing life happens and then we come back to it right um but yeah we got we got we were on um we had some bits and pieces on News Jack on Radio Four Extra. We yeah. had something on another open submission show on Radio Four. Show what you wrote, uh, and a couple of other shows here and there. So we we had we we have some uh, some professional writing credits. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, way more than I do, as in you have at least one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's but it's it's true. Like you do a lot of you've done a lot of writing, not just music, but also stories. And um, today you wanted to sort of talk about uh, a dirty word, or at least it's a dirty word for you, which is the word <laughs> hobby, right? That this is a hobby, um, that your songwriting and your script writing is, is a hobby. Um, now, I guess we should start with why the word hobby feels dirty to you. Well, I think the, I'm glad we went through the, the intro and the preamble now about um you know how <laughs> how how things work and what i've been up to um and how how long we've been writing because yeah um uh so i mean the the bottom line here and this is true for the majority of, of people that are in the creative industry in some capacity um i i clearly don't make enough money from writing mm. for this to be uh a full-time job right um and that has been that has been the desire and it's it's one of the reasons that i've pursued writing as opposed to music mm. um I, I had this naive idea in my late 20s that i would give up music and just become this writer <laughs> that would then um you know because there's a longevity to it i could right. get old and i could write you know i couldn't get old and still throw myself around on stage right um, um but i think ultimately the problem was i'm just better at <laughs> I'm better at writing music than i am at <laughs> writing scripts um and so here we are not making any money but the yeah the hobby is a dirty word because when particularly the level um that that the we're working at um but uh, do excuse me if I'm sort of circling uh, a little bit here but um if I repeat myself I apologize um Don't but it's very 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 hard hmm. to 
make any money from music. Yeah. Um, like you break even is what you told me. Yeah. So um, as a band, we break even. I mean, objectively, in the, the pool of in in the genre we play in, we are we are broadly, you know, quite successful. Right. We can we can go on a UK tour and we can headline some shows. We are planning sure. a US tour next uh next year because we know we have enough fans over there we're gonna we're not gonna headline them you know we're not huge but we we are relevant enough in certain pockets in america that we can go over and we can we can do that right um and so so as i say objectively there is a certain level of success we have a band Mm. uh, as a band which is incredibly nice and we we never thought we would get this far that album that we were talking about, I was broken when you got here. We put a lot of personal money into that, a lot of personal money into that thinking. Yeah. If we do this properly mm. and it takes the rest of our lives to pay off, mm. it doesn't matter because at least we have, we just wanted something we were proud of. That was our aim. Just right. to have something we that were proud sense. of. Yeah, I get that. I um, and it did well enough and got paid off quite quickly. We thought, well, shit, okay, maybe we're not crap at this. And then that's how the second album came about. We're like, well, <laughs> we should just carry on. We should just carry on writing. This yeah. is um, this is cool. So, um, yeah, the point was you know, we have achieved a certain level of success, and that we can do these things, and it's all very nice. But none of us make enough money to survive out of this. So this is all funded by our uh, by our real jobs yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but by by the paying work paid work that we um that we do yeah because this is all you were saying that like um it's only the top one percent of of artists that can actually well i pulled that percentage out of my butt if i'm honest um it's but it's probably something as small as that if not smaller to to make like for one, one of the reasons you can't um this is double-edged sword of streaming um, and and the internet. On the one hand, there is no way on earth that we would ever be plotting a US tour Mm. if streaming didn't exist, if our music wasn't freely available to anyone uh, anywhere in the world. So it's great for bands like us. However, because of the internet, anybody can put up music. And so there is this oversupply of uh music and the same amount of demand as there was before the uh the age of streaming and so what you end up with is um is is way more bands trying to occupy the same space and and mm. in fact through streaming bands actually make less money than than pre-streaming and so mm. what you get is a very very small uh tiny percentage of bands making any real money and i'm talking about the people like taylor swift and ed right. sheeran and you know the legends from back in the days before streaming and whatnot. They're right. the ones that can make some real money out of this, but but you know, for the most part the rest of us uh will will struggle, especially if you play in a tiny tiny little niche genre like we do. Right. Um but the point is that when when people look at this, hmm. you know, um not so much uh not so much for me now because um you know working for Robert McKeans so that they know he 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 knows what I do. Um and that I you know, take this seriously, but you know, previ- in previous jobs, they'd be like, "Oh, you're going off to play a gig this weekend or a couple of gigs this weekend." Oh, it's it's, it's not, but essentially, it's nice to have a hobby, right? Um, and I f- and I find the word hobby 
really troublesome for all okay. sorts of reasons. Um, but hobby is essentially a pastime. Yeah. Um, and so there's something kind of <laughs> when you put when you put your soul into something like I do into music and yeah. like all the mu- uh, a lot or most of the musicians that we that we've worked with that you know they they put their soul into these projects and for it to be called a pastime is uh, firstly slightly condescending but also sort of undermines what we're mm. what everyone's trying to achieve yeah. um or not even trying to achieve for me and I'm saying this off mic music is how I survive mm. like I have to write yeah. I took I took about a year or two out of playing in bands again that that period in my late late 20s where I said I'm going to be a writer mm. and moved to London and studied and, and uh, I put music to one side and I was miserable yeah. utterly miserable and it was only with hindsight that I re- realized it's because I wasn't playing and I wasn't writing music yeah and um, writing scripts doesn't give me that same doesn't scratch that same creative itch Really? As, no, no. I mean, it, it does to a certain extent, but there's there's something, for me, there's something more visceral about creative, creative music. Is it, is it because... Music, no. No, no, no. Go for it. No, no. Finish your thought. <laughs> this, just... Uh, uh, the... The best... Like just for example, the best film that I could that I could watch, in, in something that really strikes all the right um, uh, notes for me. Like uh, the best film won't come close to eliciting the same reaction that that a piece of music will if really? it hits me. Yeah, hmm. yeah, it's they're just sort of different levels for me. And so when you flip that on its head, creating a script doesn't creating a story or writing a story doesn't scratch this that itch in the way that music does if i create a melody or a song and it hits me it's really primal like it like really makes me excited whereas um you know if i if i come up with a really cool story beat or something it's really satisfying mm. but it doesn't doesn't get that same response you know if we're in the practice room as a band yeah. or even okay I, here's how I know. Here's how I know it's true. When I'm writing at home, when I'm in the home studio and I'm creating something, um, and and I some suddenly it clicks and it really works. You know, occasionally I will let out a scream because I'm so excited. <laughs> like it will, it will be that kind of reaction. I'll be like, ah, yes, this is great. But it it doesn't do that when I'm uh, when I'm writing scripts. And I forget where the point started. Well, I I've, I was thinking. It might also be partly because um, when you said visceral, because my mind was thinking part of the reason why music might resonate with you more is because you get to perform it and you get to perform it with people. Whereas when you're yeah. writing, there's no there's no guarantee it will ever leave the page. I mean, it's sort of trapped yeah, there think... at the whim of other people. And I think that is massively disheartening, at least it is for me. Um, this idea that you put all this time and effort into something <laughs> and then you don't know if it'll even if if anyone else will ever get the chance to read it um or see the finished product yeah. whereas with with music you know you will be able to record it you can perform it one uh, it's actually it's yeah it's really it's, it's yeah a couple of points really interesting you, you brought that up firstly i think i think there is an instant reaction mm. to music because even if it's just me and a guitar 
there is a level of performance there. Yeah. And so in that moment, it is already being performed in a, in, yeah. in a sense. Whereas, you know, if you write a funny joke, you can say it out loud to yourself or something. Yeah. But it's not it's it's not the same. It's why it's why I always found writing with Jason much, much easier because when we came up with something and we would get ourselves like barely laughing. Yeah. It's because we're performing it to each other. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean with comedy uh, it makes a lot of sense to have a partner, right? Exactly. Because you know if yeah, it's funny. For sure. Exactly. I yeah. mean and comedy was the only thing we, <laughs> that I was ever good at writing anyway. Um my drama was always crap. Um <laughs> but I think true. that's just a taste thing. But yeah. um uh but yeah you're right about that uh performance and one of the um when you're in control when you're when you're in a band and you write something and the only barrier to you to to a song being performed is your own judgment hmm. um that is quite it's quite liberating because you, you know as 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 you know writing and submitting scripts hmm. is can be so disheartening because yeah. just that it, there is somebody else is the gatekeeper yeah and somebody else has that judgment and there's always that danger that they don't read it the same way you do or well or yeah like that and yeah uh, that i mean you know again double-edged sword us us being the only ones with the power to say okay this is going to get performed means yeah. that we can play and write and release some yeah. substandard songs uh, <laughs> and we have done see our first album and <laughs> one of our MPs. There's the songs just aren't good enough. But when we started holding ourselves to that higher standard and saying that's mm. not good enough, keep writing and keep rewriting and keep. Once we became, once we um, raised that bar for ourselves, mm. uh, and the songs were much better, um, uh, that's when you can have that. Um, um, that's when it's really useful to have that freedom to go actually i think this is good enough and you know what yeah we're just going to play it yeah or we're going to record it and we're going to release it and then the crowd can be the judge rather than say sure. a producer or something like that. it's probably quite reductive saying that i realize but it there there is there is a difference between the two um what between it, submitting and doing it yourself yeah, well, I mean, broadly between music and, and writing the script. Oh, I see. Being that with music, you can just, you know, get up on stage and, and perform it. There are, sure. there are more opportunities readily available to to do that. Yeah. And that, I mean, in this, in terms of scripts, it's one of the reasons I think Jason and I stopped writing the sketches. Right. Is because you wouldn't, when you submit to uh, shows like that, you don't get rejected. Right. You, you, um, because they haven't got time to say, "Hey, thanks for your submission, doesn't work." Blah blah blah. And they get thousands, thousands, yeah. and they've got to process them in hours. Yeah. Um, but what you end up doing is is spending, you know, we would spend forty eight hours solid writing these sketches and, and one liners and jokes, and then you submit them, and then you get nothing back. Right. And then yeah. the week rolls around again. Yeah. It's like, okay, here's another 48 You're hours. You're getting no feedback. Yeah. And that, over the process of three or four years, you know, eight seasons or so, yeah. just becomes quite draining. And, and I mean, that that's, is... my, that's my experience of, of um, largely my experience of submitting Well, that was my, scripts. that was my experience for Story Talk. It's one of the reasons why, you know, when your time took up a lot, my interest, my, 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 my desire to do it dropped for 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 that reason which was it was just silence constantly there was no no one was really getting back to me about anything 
And so after a while, it's just like, you know, why am I busting my ass to, you know, get trek all the way to yours, which took like an hour and a half, record yeah, something yeah. for like two hours, drive back for an hour, an hour and a half, and get the train an hour and a half back, then spend like an hour, hour and a half uploading it. And there's nothing from this. And I'm doing it for free. I'm not getting paid. And so after a while, it's just that that silence. It's just like, well, and it made me lament the days of um, of theatre when we, you know, because I think you get this from music. You stand up, you perform. The, the reaction is immediate. You you actually get to physically perform in front of people and you see their reactions in front of you. And even if it's working, not working, you know, this bit works better than you thought, this bit isn't landing the way you hoped it would, whatever. But because you're getting instant feedback and it's real, that, you know, that, I guess, sort of perpetuates this desire to keep going. But if it's just the silence, you're like, wow. I think you're probably under, uh, I think you're probably, you might be underselling the, the kind of commitment that the um, podcast audience had. Um, I, I, I mean, it might have been silence, but people were still, we, we, yeah, people we were people were listening, but I wasn't getting any anything. Like there was no, you know, I mean, when I would tweet about it, we weren't getting retweets. We weren't. Oh, but anything that's like that. Twitter. No, but I mean, Come we weren't now. getting. We weren't getting. <laughs> there wasn't a community being built up. There was like half a dozen people oh, who, I see, who I'm still I in contact with. Probably... By the way, I'm still in contact with them. Like I've, some of them have been interviewed for this podcast. So it's not like oh well, that, yeah, you know, quite. And I I get emailed because I, of the work I do for. For, for Bob, I you know people are at our, at our seminars and going, oh yeah. wait, you did the podcast, you know I li- <laughs> I listen to that, so I I, I know I, people are out there. This, I think this is the funny, just, uh, yeah, there are people out there, his, and then and then they're always surprised, like oh I didn't know no one talked to him, like did you, did you ever? <laughs> say, <laughs> well, why did you think other people? I did? don't think I don't. Here's what I I don't. That's not that's not the audience's fault. No, no, it's not. But if we no, had no. a do over, if we had a do over, I, I would insist that we did things very differently. Yeah, the old podcast, yeah, yeah. I would have loved that kind of that's, community as well. Yeah, this isn't a, this isn't a blame game thing. thing. This is me just sort of like echoing what you're saying about how the silence from the submissions puts you off oh, wanting to do it anymore, right? And I'm like, yeah, that that's what happened to me. Like the silence was just deafening as the as the phrase goes like i couldn't i couldn't keep producing when there's no reaction from anything and (laughs) and similarly like when i want to sit down and i write and i think about how this is going to actually get made when you realize how hard it is to probably get it made in any way i'm like well i'm not going to invest the time in this i have to find something that can get made because i need feedback i need something to get back at me and i would think and the way you talk about the the reaction you're getting from writing and how visceral writing music is for you just seems to me like, yeah, I, I, I empathize with all those reasons that you're getting from music, that you don't get it from writing because, you know, I also don't get it from writing and it is utterly, it's crushing. Because as you were saying, like, you, you don't write because, you know, you want to, because you want to pass the time. You're writing because you feel like you have to, because when you don't write, you feel rubbish, you feel terrible, um, and you're miserable because there's something in you that's trying to get out and you won't let it get out. And so you you have to find some way to get that out. And so, you know, taking it back to this thing where you said, like, that's why the phrase hobby annoys you, because it implies that what you're doing is sort of like, well, it's an option. You know, it, it doesn't really <laughs> mean what you're, what you're doing is just like you're having fun. 
and you're playing around and you don't, you know, if you tomorrow you could just stop. And therefore, something that's really, really important to you is clearly unimportant to the other person that you're talking to. And that that can feel very rude. So, no, this really matters to me. And they're going, well, it shouldn't. You know, it's like, you know, it's like you go, oh, I met this girl. I really like this girl. Well, there's plenty more fish in the sea if it doesn't work out. I'm like, Hold on. I actually really like her. <laughs> So why are you acting like it? Like what I feel doesn't count, right? It's it's that kind of feeling, right? Music's my girl. <laughs> so so here's <laughs> the thing: uh, you don't call it a hobby. So who does? No. Who um, calls it a hobby? Who treats it like a hobby for you? Who treats it like a hobby? Yeah. Who's 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 acting? I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily want to name and shame, but there's a. Uh, um, people i have spoken to mm. uh, people i'm connected with um you know some 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 people uh in in the uh in the industry don't uh just don't necessarily uh, sorry at our level in the industry when i say industry it makes mm. it sound like we're hobnobbing with the big record labels but, sure um, it's clearly not the case <laughs> uh but no, you know, you just can't, you come across people, and it's um, you know, it, it, a hobby. The word hobby has been used explicitly yeah. by people. Um, you know, uh, certainly by by bosses I've worked for, by people I've met in the industry. Yeah. Um, but also, you can see the people as well, the other musicians that that treat it as such right um so i think there's a disparate you know not everybody sees it the way and and has that, that changed some, some do. has it changed Pardon me? Have, have people responding to you your, like have there been people who've treated your work like a hobby and now they don't like you mentioned your bosses and stuff but that was a few years ago now that was like four years ago so i mean has has over time the people who were calling it a hobby have they stopped calling it a hobby I mean, how has it changed the number of people that refer to it this way to you versus then versus now? Has it changed at all? No, I don't think so. And that's because whilst we've uh, whilst we still have, you know, a certain level of of, of success as musicians, mm. um, uh, it, it's we're still not we're still not earning a living or paying any bills through it, right? Um, I can't remember if I said before or after we were on mic, but we self-sustain as a band. You know, yeah. We don't. We no longer really have to. We no longer have to fund it. Um, yeah. In quite the same way through our uh, mm. through our day jobs or anything. Um, but because we're um, <laughs> because from the outside it does still look like but because it is still part time you know? mm. we can't go on three month long tours or anything well, well that's the thing you can do you can say it's not a pastime it's part time <laughs> one, one letter that's all that matters that's not bad yeah, yeah. I, I mean I, I quite it... like that I think that <laughs> just as an extension of of this there is there's this idea and this is like a uh, this applies to any artist, I mm. would imagine. Um, but there's an idea that at some point you make it. Yeah. Like at, at some I was, point you I was just about to bring that up. Yeah, exactly. At some point, yeah, yeah you've made it, right? So at some now point you make it, right? Right. And yeah. So there's 
there's this there's this magical point yes um that you reach where everything just becomes easy mm. um and you have enough money yeah um, and you no longer need to try anymore mm. essentially yeah, that's the subject right yeah. i've made it i've made i've made it to the top of the mountain i don't need to climb anymore yeah or whatever. exactly um and i know i know bob talks about that in screenwriting like breaking in yeah breaking into the industry um and I, i'd imagine it's the same for other um uh, I mean the thing I as well. the, thi- the thing I've been talking about with people um and that's going to be I'm I'm going to mention it now and I've mentioned it a couple of other times which is the whole point of this podcast is that um people act like oh once you once you become once you make it then that's then you're the writer right and yeah. I've always said like well you had to have written it before everyone read it so you had to be the writer beforehand, right? Like you've got to be that person before anyone can experience it. And I've always said like no one interviewed Quentin Tarantino when he was working at a video store, but he was Quentin Tarantino still. You know, he had to write yeah. and produce and make Reservoir Dogs before anyone saw it at a film festival. But until they saw it at the film festival, he didn't count. And so no one ever interviews people before that. No one yeah. ever looks for that because people fundamentally, and then it's bad for people trying to make it because, as you say, like one, earning enough money is so rare, first of all, and then second of all, it makes you feel like crap as you're as you're climbing because you feel like you haven't made it yet, and so as a result, you feel like you're supposed to you haven't you haven't lived up to it. You're failing. Um, uh, da- da- Danny Rubin who. Uh, you'll hear from in another episode he he said the thought that went through his head was why aren't you shakespeare yet <laughs> right which i think is just brilliant it's like yeah, yeah. You're, you're constantly saying that to yourself you know well there's there's, there's something very there's something very freeing realizing that making it is is just bullshit i don't yeah i truly don't believe it exists not because i haven't made it yeah <laughs> but because um if the purpose of making it is to is to for it to finally stop being a struggle um yeah what i realized was that it kind of makes you think about the reason you do things and this comes back to what i was saying about why i hate the word hobby mm. um the reason i play music is to find that is is to uh is to find a kind of inner peace because if i don't my my head and my soul are a mess mm. so i play and i write and that's like the you know that's my way of opening the tap that's uh that's how i filter everything um <laughs> that's how i filter all the pain and rage i feel as a human <laughs> being in the world today you know yeah. I, I get it out of my head and it's and it's in a piece of music um but but this is this that's is... why i that that's why i do it and and realizing that making it is some made up term because mm. there is no point at which you're suddenly rich in a mansion okay here's the thing when yeah when uh, so the, the most of the recording i've ever done but um in particular the last the, the last two albums the, the the good stuff that i've written or been a part of writing they were done with um uh our friend my friend oz who you know yeah um in uh in folkestone mm. and he's a full-time producer so he he knows what he's talking about yeah. he has made it <laughs> sure but uh um a jest but like he's he's successful right um, 
um, in, in that regard. And um, when we were when we were doing the the first of these two albums with him, um, he you know he asked us a lot about what we wanted what we wanted to do with it, and we were looking at the other bands on our scene that we played with, and we looked up to um, some friends of ours who were like we want to be as successful hmm. as them so like that was our goal we wanted to play the kind of size shows they were doing and the kind of venues they did like that was our that was our kind of goal with it um and so we released the album and then you know lo and behold uh, you know year year and a half later um we are sort of that level or thereabouts we're doing those kind of shows we have those kind of crowds and if those those guys of course have you know continued to climb the ladder themselves and we're not caught up but we are you know where 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 they were, and I was helping some other friends with an album release. Um, um, this really really excellent um, and underrated at the time band were putting this uh, quite special record together, um, and they wanted some help with the release. You know what did mm. we do with that album that suddenly meant we climbed the ladder? You know um, how did we release it? Yeah. Um, you know when and where did you release it? Merch, all those kind of things. And I was going through stuff with them and I asked them what us had asked me, which was, what do you want to accomplish with this album? Hmm. And they said, um, well, we want to be where you are. And I was like, <laughs> holy shit, this is, this, this right. is just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. this ladder just goes on forever yeah. in either direction. Yeah. Right. You're always looking at the person that is above you. Or, yeah. uh, and, you know, there are people probably behind you that are looking up at you and it's, and I really do think it goes on, uh, it, it goes on forever. And it's Gosh. not, it's not hard to achieve. It's, it's not hard to achieve success in music. Mm. There again, this comes from Oz, and I think it's wonderful. Mm. You need to, you need to write music. You need to write good music. Mm. You need to record good music, mm. and you need to get out on the road and play good music. And you need yeah. to do those three three things in perpetuity right just keep going keep writing keep sure, recording sure. keep releasing and playing the shows yeah and if you neglect any one of those three things the whole thing fails but that's all you need to do right but it's incredibly hard to do that yeah um and it's certainly incredibly hard when you're spending 40 50 60 hours a week right working on yes. another job to kind yeah. of reserve that headspace to exactly. to and that have that energy to do it i think yeah. it shows a lot of um patience and uh, and resilience but there are hundreds and thousands of bands that do that in just in the uk mm. um and you know many of them are very very good at what they do and they'll be somewhere on that ladder yep. looking up at somebody mm. and there'll be somebody behind them looking up at them and i think that's it yeah I, really I'm... in a nutshell is is music and what i found at some point over the last four years was to stop. I haven't stopped looking up. It's good to have goals. Right. We are looking at the people above us. We are constantly, but it's really useful to step back and remind yourself that yes, there is a ladder there, but it doesn't matter because the fact you're on it is enough. That's right. my piece. We're on the ladder. That's where I need to be. Right. If I'm not playing music, I'm not even. I, I can't even look up at the person, the the bands above us or anything. That's my piece, being on the ladder. Yeah. And that, you know, I think about this kind of stuff a lot. And, um, you know, when I fall asleep at night, I think about music. I think about melodies. I think about writing. Sure. I think about, you know, whatever project I'm working on is going round and round and round in my head when I wake up. 
same thing when I'm on lunch, same thing. Sometimes I can't concentrate. Yeah. Sometimes I seem like I'm distracted. It's because my brain is constantly singing to itself. Right. That is not a pastime sure. to me. Exactly. Anyway, and I just don't think I'm unique in that regard. Well, I mean, you you hit the nail on the head there because the the the, the reason, you know, unless iTunes doesn't like the name, the reason I'm calling this series The Writer's Jihad is because of of that struggle for peace and people as you say presume once you make it to a certain point uh that's over and you're at peace and you're producing work and everything and that's it but it's a lie because all you have to do is look at any professional um and just you see like you know how many of them are alcoholics and drug addicts they they all have i mean i couldn't i couldn't get over the number of like professional comic artists who have awards worried that if they don't have a comic coming out this month, the industry will forget them. Oh yeah. You know, like const- yeah. everyone is constantly acting like they, they haven't made it no matter how much success they have. And so therefore, if you take the fact that one, you have to have written before you're published in whatever medium it is. And if you look at the fact that, uh, no matter how much success you have, you're never going to be at peace. Then finding peace has to be something completely independent of success and publication. It has to be something else. You have to yeah. find it another way. And what you're saying is for you, you know, having a seat on the train, <laughs> you know, being on the ladder, as you say, is enough. That's it. Y- yes. Just knowing yes. you're doing it. And so when someone says to you, oh, this is a hobby. It implies you're not on the ladder, and you get really wound up because <laughs> yeah. then all that and I think all the struggle kicks back up, and you're not at peace anymore, right? Yeah, and I think it's it's actually just talking things through with you here. Um, it's kind of helping me kind of uh, iron out the edges on on the idea that being on the ladder is enough, um, mm. because you know, obviously, obviously, we're striving. I'm striving as a musician to be able to. To, to make a living from this mm. and at some point maybe i will achieve it maybe i won't but if yeah. i do i need to retain that idea that yeah. i'm still on the ladder yeah you know if i'm, if I'm earning a living it doesn't yeah. mean i don't think that struggle goes away it's still sure. about trying to express what's inside you or yeah. trying to you know i i uh, get people to feel a certain way through a melody or whatever i i, I very much empathize with this feeling of if you're on the ladder it, you you can be somewhat at peace um because you know that using that ladder analogy i i, I use it too and in, in my head there's i just feel like because it's so hard there's and this is what this is about there's an obligation of no matter where you are on the ladder um you there's a sort of obligation to help anyone who's trying to climb the ladder get to your, your your place and in my respect it's possible that i've focused too much on that and therefore that may have been a mistake because i'm not doing what i should be doing but part of this thing is you know there's there's gonna be a bunch of people at very different points on the ladder people who are quite high up the ladder people who are quite who haven't even started but they're looking at the ladder and they really want to get on the ladder there's gonna be people at all these different points and there's just a sense of me that like if you're above someone else there's a sense that you know you have an obligation to pass on whatever you did that helped you climb because that's how you know that's how well, we progress. Like that's that's the. I point, don't right? think. I don't necessarily think there is an obligation to help people. I just I feel mm. that 
it's just that nice people do sure um i you know i certainly the but don't the, you feel obliged to do the right thing <laughs> I mean, like when well, something's right. Yes, again. If, I mean, if, that's what yeah. that's what we mean, right? Like when something's the right thing to do, you feel obligated that you're supposed to do the right thing. Yes, know? but only if you, but only if you have, only if you're capable of feeling those feelings. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we've I've played in bands for, yeah. for many many years, and there there was a time where there, where uh, we haven't felt that kind of camaraderie, right? Um, and things were a little bit more like you were just trying you would. Rather than having yes. a goal, it was a little bit more selfish than that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm, you know, I, I've no doubt been guilty of those kind of feelings as well. Yeah, yeah. I've had um, but certainly, you know, we've said this for a few years, the, the, the collection of bands that we play in mm. um, and the locations that we play, certainly everybody does appear to have those kind of, uh, those kind of feelings and, and that willingness to, to help whoever and, uh, whoever they can, whenever they can, and you, the bands that don't don't stick around because really, the, yeah, they 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 sort of they come and they go because people don't want to book them again because they're assholes, right? <laughs> or, right. You know, they just don't have that same attitude. Sure. To, um, uh, it's what what's called the the uh, the, the DIY music scene. Oh, um, really? You know, all us. Uh, you know, all, all the the bands and the you know the friends that we have that everybody's doing it themselves. Everyone's driving themselves. Everyone's funding themselves. You know, mm. we don't. None of us have these you know big record labels behind us saying, yeah, here's uh here's two hundred and fifty grand. Uh, go spend a year recording an album. Sure. It just it doesn't happen anymore in that way. Right. Um, that you mentioned something a couple minutes ago. Okay. That I just wanted to bring back up. Sure. Um, it's talking about uh, being forgotten, the comic mm. book artists that worry about being forgotten. Yeah, and it made me think of um, uh, again, double edged sword. Um, social media when you're an artist. Mm. Um, so I mean, there's there's a fundamental kind of problem uh, with with social media in that everybody feels the need to appear a certain way, and so yeah, you know that, and this is by no means an original thought i have had but you know it's it's well known that um the way you look on instagram is just not the way you look it's not it's that's not your life that's just yeah. a filtered version yeah. that you want yeah. to show everybody else but it extends i think to to certainly musicians as well um because if you're not i i sometimes feel I let my, I catch myself thinking these things sometimes as well. Like I, I, I feel sometimes that if we're not posting about you know how great a show was or how big the crowd was or all these dates yeah. that we're doing on a tour around the UK, you know, when you're not doing that, yeah, one, I completely empathise with that feeling that you'll you that you'd be forgotten. Sure, because um, there were there were times obviously through the pandemic, but before that, where yeah, we had nothing to talk about. Sure, and we're not the uh, on on social media, and we're not the kind of people to just, you know, post what we're having for breakfast as a band right. or anything like that. <laughs> and also, we were keeping some stuff secret because we were, say, writing a new album or something like right. that. So we kind of went quiet, but it was a really kind of dangerous period because whilst we're busy and whilst we are, I mean, yeah, literally the most creative that we can be as individuals, we are 
we are we are making this album it's going to be wonderful and we're recording it we can't say anything publicly because it's a bit of a secret now right and so we look like the opposite we look like we're sat on our butts at home <laughs> or working <laughs> you look it looks like it looks like we've given up our hobby for a few months it's, yeah know? there it is there. it looks like you've given up yeah. the hobby yeah exactly so <laughs> I, I, I don't i don't feel like social media helps no the other edge of that blade is that it's really hard to exist as a band without social media because how the hell nowadays do you do you publicize anything yeah. without social media you know so it's 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 just it comes back to the internet being both yeah. incredible yeah. for people of our sort of size of, of our artists of our sort of stature um versus also being like a, yeah. a, a poison that makes <laughs> everything harder and everything worse but um yeah well i guess i guess i mean i guess that's that's a place to end this this sense of um how oh, let's not end on poison no I, I, on this sense of just like how um you know you you feel you feel at peace despite all the work that goes into it because you feel like you're doing it and you when you do your work you get to perform it and you get to see it happen and so it's not sitting in a drawer it's not waiting around you actually get to produce your work you put it out you get to go on tour you get to headline you get to you get to have the experience of being a performing in your case or published artist in someone else's medium or whatever you get that sense of like here is my work i'm doing it i'm working on more work it's self-funding so i'm not operating at a loss i have an audience i have all those things and so therefore all these other concerns um about the, how high you've climbed and all this don't matter as much because you're you're just doing it like you get to do it if you you know if you had more resources you'd still be doing what you're doing if you had less resources you'd still be doing what you're doing you wouldn't change just your perception of these things would change and so when other people have the wrong perception of what you do and call it a hobby it winds you up because you know it it, it sort of cuts at the very thing that keeps you going and i and that makes a lot of sense but that's really helpful like people should just swipe that's why I've been saying to people, like, I think, you know, if you do it, you do it and you get to call yourself a writer. You you don't wait for someone else to say it's okay when that person yeah, doesn't I've... do any of the stuff that you're doing. You know, they're not working as hard as you are. They're not working this. And people say, I'm not working hard enough. So it doesn't matter. You're like, you find the time, you work it. Some people have more time than you. It's not your fault. You don't have as much time. Like you. You can't judge yourself by what you imagine other people did and how other people are doing and then let them let someone else determine whether or not you're doing the thing you want like i think i think just being honest and saying like, i'm doing it and yeah i think that makes sense and like you're doing what you want to do you're not it's not like um it's not the stepping stones thing where you're hoping this will lead to something else it's that it, this is the thing you want to do yeah, I think the second that you allow yourself to to think, okay, what I'm what I'm creating is just the stepping stone. Like the idea that <laughs> so when I was at when I did um uh, so I did a master's that that in that two year period where I said I'm going to be I'm going to be a serious writer I'm going to give up this music shit. Mm. um and I I did a master's in feature film screenwriting and um there was uh, some people have come in at various points to, to talk to the students about 
um, uh, about how to go about writing, getting writing credits and that kind of thing. Hmm. One of the bits of advice we had was um, there was I, I remember there was there was this talk about soap operas, hmm. and there was talk about doctors in particular. The show the, the, the yeah. for the American audience like a, a a daytime soap opera. Yeah, yeah. It was this idea that the producers of Doctors um, at the time were slightly more open to reading script submissions from writers, from new writers. Hmm. Um, and so this was a potential avenue for writers such as ourselves. So we'd have to, you know, study the show, write an episode, blah, blah, and you know, they wouldn't necessarily go, hey, I'm going to make this episode, but they'd be like, oh, well, you know, come in or, or whatever. So it's a way of, of kind of, um, of, of going about trying to get your first credit first professional credit and um somebody had brought the idea up that um you know if uh, <laughs> uh the idea up that like they could start your career like you know for us new writers would it be easier if we you know wrote for a soap opera like um you know hollyoaks or eastenders and then kind of went on to do yeah you know to do something yeah. the implication being something more serious more artistically worthwhile afterwards yes. yeah and i just remember the look on the tutor's face of be like if you get a job like you should be so lucky <laughs> writing for a hollyoaks yes. or eastenders yes. like a show that successful yes. like do not think that this uh, <laughs> just because they're soap operas yeah that they are like less uh, yeah, less worthwhile. Yeah, and in my rambling about soap operas, I've completely forgotten the point that I was trying to make. Um, shit. Well, you know, uh, like I said, I lose my train of thought sometimes. Bass, my brain is constantly singing to itself. So you were talking about stepping stones. Oh, that was it. It was yeah, that's right. It was yeah. it was stepping stones. Thank you, thank you. Yes, <laughs> the idea that something as lowly. As the longest-running soap opera in the UK could be a stepping stone yes. for somebody to do something more serious like film writing, yeah. etc. I think the the second you consider what you're doing artistically to be a stepping stone to something else, yeah. you have lost all credibility. <laughs> I think you you go into whatever you're doing. Hmm. Um, you know, if it's the first script you've ever written, soon as pen hits paid. You're a you're a writer now. Yeah, like you you in the game, son. Yeah. Um, but you have to believe it. Yeah. And you and whether it get whether it's going to get made or not, whether it's going to be performed on stage or not, whether it's going to be uh, made into an album or whatever, it's absolutely irrelevant mm. because the creation of that piece needs to be the most important thing in your life. Um, at that point um, and yeah sorry that's just a quick point I wanted to make on well that's great thing. that's great well thank you very much Luke for getting the time to do this and um, it's been lovely talking to you again and, uh, and next again. week we'll be breaking down Batman versus Superman <laughs> you, you are aware that I, I actually did break down Batman v Superman during the lockdown and that's the yes I know and okay. in classic Luke style I didn't have the time to join you no um, but okay, okay so I've still not I've not even I've still not even watched New Justice Weekend I, no I um, just I just thought that uh, that happened to be a coincidence now that I'm aware that you knew I'm uh, I'm less taken with that <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, like, what a coincidence! And it's like, no, it's not a coincidence. Well, it it's was, well, fine. It, when I just I reached into my back pocket of, of 
things that we could have and would have done on the toolkit and for some reason the out of all the stuff we ever <laughs> analyzed the one the the thing that i think about the thing that epitomizes what we did on the toolkit was batman superman really i don't know why yeah it's just if yeah. i think about the toolkit i think about uh i think about that i think possibly because it was so contentious because everybody oh, hated yes. that movie they were like no it works it works it works and i still have arguments about well, it maybe christ maybe. the bat here's all right here's a button for you <laughs> don't you don't need to use this at all i just want to tell you that we constantly argue uh when we're on tour uh about the star wars franchise oh. and by argue i mean the rest of the band goes i don't know quite like it and i go <laughs> which which bit of the franchise are we arguing about specifically movies i mean it's it's general consensus uh episodes one two and three are you know horrendous uh but <laughs> uh force awakens and i don't know what's the latest piece of shit what rise of skywalker ah rise of skywalker so okay I, I, I mean okay when when i think of the story toolkit i think of the jojo's bizarre adventure episode we never recorded because okay. <laughs> you've never seen it and when i watch jojo i'm like i wish i had the story toolkit because i just want to talk about jojo <laughs> uh but yeah that that anyway next it would have been the perfect crossover of our two worlds really if i know but i know all the music references it's just <laughs> i didn't know about them until you told me like that so you're aware that reo speedwagon is actually a band i'm like wait what wait a minute dire straits dio <gasps> they're all named after band. <laughs> the villain is called acdc why didn't I notice this before? Um, Hitting the ball on his finger back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, well. Um, we right. almost got through that without re reverting to our story toolkit. Uh, arrival yet dumb and dumber dimensions. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, thank you so much, Luke. Oh, you're keeping that bit in. Wonderful. I love it. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Basim Story, and other ways to find and support this podcast can be found in this episode's description. Jazakallah.